from woman monger to drug dealer to yeah. abortion pusher yeah. to a saved and redeemed child of God today. Yeah. So that's God's, quite the God's, journey, isn't it? <laughs> God's, been, God's been good to me. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to Straight Talk on Life Issues, the podcast. I'm Victor Nieves, once again joined by Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Today, we're going to be talking about an issue that I know, Brad, is very near and dear to your heart, and that is men and abortion. Yes, uh, Victor, this is something that I've been involved with since the mid-90s, when we began to get letters from men, emails and letters of just pure emotional torture that they are going through, were going through when they sent those letters about the remorse and the anguish and the guilt of having been part of doing something that in their minds could not be matched in its evil depravity and that's killing their unborn child. If there are guys out there listening to this podcast, stick with us because we are going to be getting into things that you will want to hear absolutely because at the end, of this is light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, Brad, I think it's probably safe to say that maybe this is, you know, men and abortion is one of the things that the pro-life movement at large has kind of overlooked. I mean, you say it all the time, but there are two people in every abortion. There's two parents in every abortion. Um, and men have a tendency, as a man, I know this, we, we have a tendency to kind of suffer in silence. And that's not healthy. Um, and when people don't talk about it, when maybe churches might not mention it or institutions might not mention it, it's easy to feel like you're the only person out there. And so, again, to all of the men that are listening right now, absolutely stick with us because you're far from the only man um, that has been involved uh, with abortion. And we've got some some fantastic resources you really need to hear. Yeah. One thing I'd like to bring up, Victor, is that there has been precious little research done on how abortion affects fathers. And what has been done was done by a small group of pro-abortion PhDs. And what they did was they interviewed and surveyed 1,000 men as they waited in abortion facilities while their partners were having an abortion. And then they followed up with a subgroup of 75 men and they did that by in-person and phone visits. And what they came to determine uh, was that 9% of all men who experience an abortion are so traumatized by that experience that they actually struggle to get through each day. So we're mm -hmm. talking about silent victims who are seriously having difficulty dealing with the abortion. And then there are millions more, Victor, who are suffering to lesser degrees, whether it be slight depression or anxiety that that keeps them awake some nights. Yeah. And well, if 9% in that survey alone, which you know is from pro-abortion researchers, if 9% of men are saying that, I bet it's a lot higher. I bet that that percentage, you know, it's hard to quantify, but I, I bet there's a lot more than 9% of men that are seriously, seriously damaged by that. And, you know, Brad, I think it's because in, in a lot of ways, men are wired to protect. Men are wired to provide. It's it's just something that God's put in, in our nature. And everything about the entire abortion process is just so 
diametrically opposed to that. It's it's counter um, to that programming that's inside each of us as a man. And so I'm sure you could speak to that more, but it would seem to be very devastating. Well, yes, as you said, God has wired men's brains to provide for and protect their children. And when they experience an abortion as a father, this conflicts with God's will for their lives. And then we are we see all sorts of symptoms that interferes with the male human psyche. And today we're going to be talking to some of those men who have experienced abortion, and they're going to be telling you their firsthand experiences. Yeah, Brad, we're, we're blessed to have these men on here. Uh, today we have Jarrell Godsey. He's now the president of Heartbeat International, which is the largest affiliation network of life-affirming pregnancy help outreaches of life-affirming pregnancy help outreach efforts in the entire world. He's been in the movement since 1991. He has an amazing story. We also have Walter Murphy. Uh, Walter, while he was in the Navy, unfortunately did uh, have an abortion. That was a decision that he came to very much regret, but he's healed through that process quite a lot. He now helps other men you know, through his men's ministry at church. And last but certainly not least, we have with us Levi Hart. He's a father. Again, a similar story, heartbreakingly, uh, did have an abortion. He was just age 19. Um, but now, again, he has used his story to help other men in that circumstance. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much um, for your willingness to come on the program and to share your experience with us. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Well, let's jump right in. Jarrell, I'd like to hear from you first. Could you briefly tell us about your story? Sure. I was in a relationship basically towards the end of high school and moving into a college time frame and found that my girlfriend was pregnant. It was one of those things where it was something that there only seemed to be one option, and that was abortion. So it was not something that was debated. It was a resignation. It was a, this is what has to happen. And as I look back on that moment, what I realized was that I was really operating out of selfishness in that moment and was pressing into that and making that part of the answer when it should have been and should have involved many more, even more discussion, even more clarity. And that was what was not was what I didn't seek. So in that moment, for me, it was something I missed the opportunity, as you said earlier, to provide and protect and sought what was best for me. And so I facilitated that abortion. I drove her to the abortion clinic. I took her inside. The lady that took her back uh, looked at me and said, this will take, take about an hour or two hours and says, you might want to buy buy her some flowers. So I did that. I went and bought her flowers and gave them to her upon uh, her coming out of the abortion clinic. And that was the quietest ride I've ever been on uh, with another person in the vehicle because we traveled you know, about 45 minutes to an hour away from where we lived to experience that. And the flowers, of course, didn't do anything. There was Obviously, a resignation, but also uh, a clear pain that came out of that. And like most things, we do it to save the relationship. And in fact, uh, it is the very catalyst for the dissolution of that relationship. And that's certainly what happened in that situation. Walter, give us your story briefly, if you would, please. Basically, I was born here in this little town of Gloucester, Massachusetts. I grew up here. I joined the Navy. I went off to sea and I came back here in 1977. And I was married at the time, but my wife left me and um, she left my child and my infant son and she went off to Florida with her boyfriend. So I was in a bit of a tough space. I did eventually start dating another woman 
and she ended up pregnant, and that's where the abortion story begins. I was drinking heavily, alcoholically at the time, and she was pregnant. I was in the midst of this ugly divorce with my first wife, and it just seemed like there was no other option. There was no other way to go on with life by having another child. She had a kid. I had my son, and I forced her to do that. I said, I'm not going to do this. I am not feeling excited about having another kid. And the reflection of that always is that I was absolutely self-centered individual, looking absolutely for nothing more than what was going to satisfy what I wanted to happen, what I thought was right for me. And my consideration for her and the other kids and stuff was really non-existent. You're living proof that couples rarely survive those abortions. As uh, Jarrell pointed out, Levi, if you could briefly give us your story. Well, so I was 19 years old whenever I advocated for the abortion. Brought up in a Christian home, but always very rebellious. And come high school, that just you know shifted really quickly into drugs, alcohol, and just sleeping with a lot of women. And this particular girl, I was, I was with her for about a year. You know, she got pregnant. The conversation about abortion began immediately. And, you know, I'm only 33 years old, so a millennial and what was getting pushed a whole lot, you know, for some time is, you know, this is just a third form of birth control, you know, is, is this the, the lie being pushed. And even though I was brought up in a, a fairly Christian home, made a profession of faith at seven years old, obviously didn't play out a whole lot. It was a very convenient lie to believe at the time. I was 19. She was 16, 17 years old. And all we did was we partied every day. You know, it's all we were doing. The idea of stopping and becoming parents, you know, she's still in high school, you know, like my parents had kicked me out. I was living at someone else's house, dealing drugs out of there and, and just living this crazy lifestyle. So bringing a kid into the world was just like, no, it was just terrifying. And I just kept ripping and running the, the same direction I was going that the relationship did end shortly after. What's weird is like I had this thing in my heart towards her for a very long time that I had to work through after I got saved. I didn't really understand, like, why, why is there this connection with this woman and realizing, like, wow, there's actually things that happen spiritually and physically when you get a woman pregnant with a man. Like, even biologically, I've learned, you know, things that occur. And uh, but the relationship ended really quickly. And, you know, what's crazy is like, I mean, my whole life came tumbling down shortly after that by God's grace. Like, house got raided by the police. I'm in and out of jail and rehab. And literally, it was nine months later that I got saved. And then start working through the, the healing process slowly but surely. From woman monger to drug dealer to yeah. abortion pusher yeah. to a saved and redeemed child of God today. Yeah. That's God's, quite the God's, journey, God's, isn't it? <laughs> God's, been, God's been good to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Walter, could you chime in here a little bit and share a little on some maybe of the specifics of things that you experienced after your abortion? I think in the immediate aftermath, I was actually pretty shocked. First, I dropped her off and I picked her up. I didn't even go in the building with her. I says, what, did did you see it? And she says, well, yeah, and it, it was a boy. So when she said it was a boy, it went from being like just a thing we had to deal with to, wow, that was that was actually my child. I think it caused some guilt. I think it caused some immediate like shame. I don't know, but I put it away. I stuffed that away. And I drank still heavily, but I found that my uh, decision-making processes became tedious and hard, and I didn't trust my own judgment, and I became very promiscuous. I tried to do a lot of things to escape haunting kind of guilt in the back of my mind. Yeah, there was anger, 
I became an angry person. And I blamed that on like my ex-wife. I blamed it on my life situation. It was always something to, to make responsible for my decisions. But it was running from the truth is what it really was. So after I did become a believer, I came to this place of seeing what the trauma of that abortion had actually done in my life. And it's been probably 30 years now since I've been Christian. And in the first few years, I asked really for forgiveness. Can you forgive me for this, Lord? And being forgiven and being healed are two very different things. Um, I preached a message in my church a couple of weeks ago about paralytic. The guy's lower down through the roof on his mat. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And everybody's kind of like, well, okay, so yeah. Then Jesus says, take up your mat and walk. So the forgiveness of the man and then the healing are two different processes that he demonstrates to show that he indeed has the authority to do that. I think when we recognize that, it's a big step in healing from abortion and, and gosh, many other things in our lives. That's a very good point you brought up, Walter, the difference between uh, healing and the repentance and turning around. Jarrell, tell me some of the symptoms that you experienced. Did you notice things happening immediately or was it over time? You know, the immediacy is the immediate distance felt and that, you know, what was a close relationship and, of course, a loving relationship, as much as those can be for teenagers in that situation, then there was this immediate distance. What happened later was as I came to know Jesus and understand his position on this matter, that's when I began to realize my grander culpability in this sin. That's when I began to be exposed for my own selfishness in the matter and my disregard for the wonder of the gift of life that he gives us. Yeah, you mentioned Jesus and God, of course, as a very important piece of this, Jarrell. Levi, I'd like to know a few more details about your heavenly coming up, if you would. You came out of a prison, you, did you say, after nine months? Yeah. And so I, I Fill us in on a little of those details. Yeah, so the house got raided, and I spent about the next year in and out of jail and rehab. So by God's grace, I never had to go to prison, but county jail for a couple months. So I was like the rich young ruler, didn't want to surrender everything. But then I did, and God began to bring organic healing. Forgiveness was the first thing. Like, I mean, realizing the, how wrong it was was the first thing, you know. And then the forgiveness, alluding to Walter was talking about, where the forgiveness needed to go into a deeper level of healing. Because now I've been in pro-life work for three and a half years. I've had this abortion and this growing sense kept continually growing of feeling bad that I feel disconnected to it. If that makes sense. Like there's this disconnect that I didn't understand. I knew it was wrong. I'm, I, I give the best pro-life arguments, all these different things. I know it's a baby, but there's this disconnect that I just can't connect with. Next thing I know, I go down to the CareNet conference where I see Walter. They ask these guys questions about their abortion story. And it's the very last thing in the whole conference. And this stuff's hitting me. I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. And they do an invitation at the end. And I go up and I realize one of the things that was really hitting me was each one of these guys had this story in their healing process because I didn't know what was missing. Like, what's missing in my healing process here? I don't know like what I'm missing. And each one of them had named their child, written them a letter and had like some sort of ceremony or something. And I realized each time I heard that, it made me feel worse. Because each time I thought about that over the years, the idea of doing something, because it wasn't the first time I heard that kind of thing. But each time I thought about doing it, I was like, 
I don't even know the gender. I can't dishonor this child any further. And I just shove it to the back of my mind. And then I'm on the way to the airport and I start having images in my head that I can't escape of me holding a baby girl. And I realize God's telling me it's a girl. And then just the tears keep coming and, you know, and that plays in this whole process. I named her Catherine. And so that's where that, the forgiveness, the salvation, and then 14 years, you know, if even, yeah, 14, almost 15 years later, you know, I'd have a 14 year old right now. I got a 14 year old in heaven that this healing is taken into a deeper place. You know, so I just grew with Walter and what he was saying as far as like, you don't got to live there like Christian as well. Like, like God can start doing some quick work as soon as you start looking at it. Yeah. When you mentioned a disconnect, my first thought was, well, did you name your baby? And yeah. that's exactly what led that to that. The, the men in counseling that I've done have really turned a corner when I've assigned them homework to come back with the name of their baby the following week. And it has just been <laughs> amazing to see what God does in that step. Um, I'd like to hear from Jarrell and Walter. Jarrell, you first. Is that something that you've decided to do to name your baby? So it's a process I learned in, uh, in the center in South Florida. And we would not only name the baby, but also have a ceremony of uh, recognizing and memorializing the child. And so there's been a number of different ways that the guys that I've related to and connected with have done that. We had one gentleman took a um, set of golf clubs to the beach and actually tossed them all in the water because it was an offering to the all the rounds of golf that he had missed with his son. Uh, for me, it was more of a, a quieter, not quite as demonstrative way of uh, memorializing that. Brad, like you said, it really bridged a gap from an abstract event that is distant, as Levi said, to a a reality that you know you'll be able to celebrate in the future. And by celebrate, I mean in heaven. But that allowed me to look forward to that more than just remembering the abortion itself. Like putting it in the context that God has is so much helpful to my heart and to my soul to recognize what he's doing in me and but what he's already done for my child. Is sharing the name of your child something you wish to do? No, it's a boy, but it's not something I'm willing to do. But thank you. Well, and, and that's that's unique to every person. And I and I'm I'm kind of pleased to see you say that because it just shows how each individual deals with that in their own separate way. So, uh, Walter, is this something that you found that benefited your healing process to name your child? So, naming that child was a huge big deal. So in the course of going through the, the grief for my child and mourning his loss, I started keeping a journal. And in that journal, I wrote down, I think we should name him Joseph because, you know, and that's like Joseph's Joey. That would be nice because that was her dad's name and she would like that. This is the hand of God because within a week or so, she talked to me. She said, I think we should name that baby. Well, you know what? Here's my journal. And this is what I wrote last week. You're just like, oh, that's amazing. And that's a wonderful name. I thought about Noah, and I said, well, how about Joseph Noah? She saw that's beautiful. So there was a great healing in that. It really gave that child dignity. It gave, it made him into the person that we never really allowed him to be. And in my heart and my soul and my mind, it was like, I have a son, and this is his name. And, yeah, that's a great healing step. 
It really is. It's amazing what God can do with something like that. I hear those same comments from every father that I speak to uh, regarding that topic. So we honor uh, you men today with this program, but we also honor your children. Names known and unknown, we love them also and will always remember them. What message do you have for men who may be listening to this program and have an abortion in their past? Levi? I would say um, choose to go there with God. And when you, once you've gone there with God, choose to go there with uh, another trusted person and to go there in faith, you know, that there is healing in there. Don't ignore it, you know, and don't believe the lie that it's not a big deal or that it hasn't done something in you. Because it's just really easy to believe that there's really not that much effect that's happened. Now, I would say if anyone's listening who doesn't know the Lord, I mean, go to him and let him deal with all your sin and all your death. And he'll, he'll do some really good stuff with it, including your abortion. Thank you. Yeah. Jarrell, what would you say to a, a man with an abortion in his past? Well, the first thing I would say is something I've said often, whether I've had a chance to do it in front of groups where I know men were. And I know, you know, the statistics tell us that in any group, you know, there's probably 30 to 40% of the men in the room have participated in aborting their own child or been involved in an abortion situation. So uh, the first thing I would say is like, look, there's a sin unto death that's called out in the scripture, but it is not the sin of abortion, uh, that that is something that God can heal. It's something that God wants to heal. It's something that, but you have to seek it. You have to pursue it. And so I would encourage them to look for that healing, work for that healing, and do the do the work that it takes to achieve that healing. Thank you, Jarrell. Walter? I thought about this a lot. Um, carrying around this burden, you know, we carry this great guilt and, and guilt and shame and remorse, and particularly the shame thing. I think that's a great tool that Satan uses against us. I would say to a guy, you don't have to hang on to it. You don't have to carry that burden. This great peace and this great freedom. When we uh, when we can put these things to rest, and you know he does, he says, "Come to me," and that's that's a choice that we have to make. Also, well said by all of you. And if there are men out there who would like to take that first step, we can help you. A special website called meninabortion.net, meninabortion.net, is designed exclusively for you and those who want to help you. And um, there you can find a place to request a free peer-to-peer counselor who will walk with you through that healing process, uh, help you shed the shame and remorse, and come out a stronger, better man in the end. You are not alone. You are one of many. And there is hope for you. Uh, When Jesus said, it is finished, he meant he covered the sin of every person every sin we can imagine, including abortion. So that price has been paid. Come and seek forgiveness and to find that healing that you need. And thank you all, Jarrell, Levi, and Walter, for being part of this very important program, uh, helping us not be silent. And I'm sure that um, with all of us, there are past sins that uh, come back to haunt and I just want to encourage you when Satan comes back to remind you of your past, remind Satan of his future, and he will be certain to flee. We are grateful for you godly men to speak out and be a voice to others. So thank you once again. Thank you, Brad. Yeah, thank you, Brad. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate your ministry. Well, I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you so much.
You know, Victor is a father and grandfather, uh, someone who uh, has grieved the loss of identical twin boys during pregnancy. It, it's remarkable to me how you can grieve for somebody you've never, ever met. So it gives me a tiny bit of insight, I believe, into what these guys are going through. The difference, of course, is that the death of their babies was intentional and they either played a part in it or were powerless to stop it. And the mm. grief that can come with that is absolutely incredible. Yeah. I, you know, you just said something that really stuck out to me. I don't know why, but I hadn't thought much of the the aspect of men who were powerless to stop it. You know, the trauma that that would do to me, I can't even begin to comprehend how horrible that would be to want to stop it. But you can't. I mean, the law doesn't let you. There's nothing that you can do as a man. If it's happening, it's happening. Golly, that would be terrible. Yes. And honestly, as I was a single man many years ago, um, my life was directed on that point alone, that if a pregnancy did occur, I would be powerless to yeah. affect the outcome if my partner decided she wanted to have an abortion. Yeah. And that's yeah. unfortunately, Victor, what a lot of these guys have found themselves in exactly that position. Yeah. I used to, I had friends in college that were a little bit more promiscuous, I suppose. And I used to, because, you know, many of them shared uh, not all, but a lot of my beliefs. And I would say, man, you got to be careful because you never know. You never know what somebody's going to do if if that situation happens. You got to be really, really careful. Well, that wraps it up for us this week. Another episode of Straight Talk on Life Issues, the podcast. I want to send everyone to our website, lifeissues.org. We have a tremendous wealth of resources, including an entire website dedicated just to men who have suffered in this situation, men in abortion, that I highly encourage everyone uh, to go and make use of, go and share that. You know, this could be an opportunity uh, for you. Maybe you're not a man, maybe you haven't been in that circumstance, but you know someone who is or who has been in that situation. This would be an, a very good opportunity to go to lifeissues.org. You can find that there as well as a lot of other resources. Go ahead and share that with people. As always, we appreciate your listenership so very much. This show is made possible by the, the generous donations. If you want to continue to support what we do here, again, you can go to lifeissues.org. Your generous donation, tax-deductible donation, allows us to continue providing the education and the resources that we do every single week. Be sure to tune in next time for more Straight Talk on Life Issues.